During our recent Brother 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 World Tour, we were fortunate to meet and speak with a variety of writers and musicians performing at the Port Elliot Festival. Nothing inspired more excitement than our opportunity to sit down with music legend Andrew Weatherall and author David Keenan. Keenan's latest book, which he describes as a hallucinated oral history of a post-punk band in Glasgow, inspired Weatherall's latest album, Qualia, which drops in September. Andy Weatherall is one of the pillars of modern electronic and dance music, having produced or remixed such acts as New Order, Happy Mondays, Primal Scream, Saint Etienne, Susie Sue, Bjork, and Manic Street Preachers, to name just a few. His remix of My Bloody Valentine's Soon was named the best remix of all time by NME. Additionally, working alongside fellow luminaries Paul Oakenfold and Nikki Holloway, Andy Weatherall was instrumental in building Acid House and expanding DJ and rave culture around the world. Rather than characterize this as an interview, I'll just say that Wyndham and I sat in with Andy and Dave as the two old friends discussed drum beats, musical genres, shitty suburbs, organized religion, transcendental narcotics, Gnostic Sonics, and Scotland. They argued, agreed, disagreed, laughed, and still found time to quote Voltaire and Gandhi. So now, let me ask you to close your eyes and imagine you've been dropped into a caravan somewhere in a muddy field in Cornwall. The rain is pelting against a metal roof. The godfather of Acid House and modern electronic music is rolling a cigarette. Sitting across from that man is a very talented, very funny, and only partially understandable Glaswegian author and music fanatic. Beside those two old friends, Wyndham and Christian Lewis attempt in vain to interject questions into a conversation that requires none to find its path. I've been going to nightclubs for quite an early age, sort of like I was quite into Brit funk stuff, kind of, at the same time as punk rock, you know what I mean? I was into so this all this disco sucks stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Olympic runners, um, yeah, stuff like that, and uh, would go to kind of soul all-nighters, but I like dressing up, and you could go to those things, because a lot of a lot of early, a lot of early punks were just bored soul boys. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was I mean, kind of, you know, I was, looking, I was probably, TVs, I was probably the Northern Soul thing. Yeah. I was huge, probably thirteen right, yeah. or fourteen years old, and was going to things like that, but liked punk as well. So I was buying all sorts of records from everywhere. I was yep. into Bowie, Same obviously things Eno, yep. mm-hmm. um, and then um, eighty-seven, I suppose. People, knew, you know, I started going to the Sherman and clubs before they were even called Acid House. Mm. Um, so not uh, um, won't go into detail because it involves history and that's you know um, we haven't got time um, and then oh, yeah yes. breakthrough was I DJ'd <laughs> a, a club called The Trip for a guy called Nicky Holloway which was like a big acid you know like it, yeah, acid, it, was, it was beginning to get big but there'd always be a room playing alternative kind of stuff and I got the gig doing that um, um, and then got the gig playing at the Sherman and then just it just went from there and I never used to mix I, I was didn't see I was it was just a job I thought I would do. I was building film sets, um, um, and then earning lots of money, and then just you know do, doing that, mm-hmm. and then d- doing a bit of spare time DJing. And then um, I got let down on a big job building film sets. I thought oh, I'll give this DJing. I was only going to do it for a year. I did. I just worked. I just worked. You know, um, I worked to live. I didn't live to work. Yeah, so, it wasn't a job at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 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 and so I've always had that sort of work mentality of get a job. Yeah. So then when the music. I started getting, you know, I thought, oh, okay, this is going to last a bit longer. It's just, okay, I'll treat, I'll treat it like a job. 
that I enjoy. You know what I mean? It's it's not you know I'm I'm going to do it to live, not to live what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've made that's why I've maintained a 30 year career. But that's also why I'm a 54 year old man living in rented accommodation. Well, yeah. <laughs> being interviewed in a caravan somewhere in Cornwall. But <laughs> I do. I know, but <laughs> but you, I'm at you. Know what I mean? But, but you know. But, but you meet your you meet your call. Sorry, you know, you were you were one of the people who made it a profession, which is sort of part of that. And what I'm just curious to ask is, I mean, the way that lack of financial security for comedy purposes. It's a comedy basis. But the way that but it's worth that. Not you with a thought, right? But, <laughs> but, we, but we talk about commitment and we talk about what it takes to do that. And there are these yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of what, what are your priorities? You have to live how do something. you want to live your yeah. life? How, well, how do you want every day to spend so you're going to make sacrifices? Yes, I'm willing to. Absolutely. I want you to write. I want you to write these uncompromising texts and that's all I want you to do. You know? And I was totally prepared to make the sacrifices to make it harm. Weirdly enough, lucky enough, it did get published. But at the same time, I don't care. That was the core thing that I had to do. Hundred percent. I had to do. I did. I didn't start being a writer until I was thirty-nine years old. So. So basically, you were beautifully driven and striving for what you wanted, and I just fell on it, fell into it. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. This no, was no, no. We were both totally passionate. We were both totally passionate. You know. I do have to. I do have to. Yeah, well, you know, I just got into it accidentally. Oh, I grabbed it by the horns and I wrestled with my. Own. I have to. I do have to. Yeah, you're just like this one then. I don't even take it seriously. I was a job in the daytime. Who knew? I do have to go. One shout out to my friend Rupert Hayden, who said that he lived his entire. Uh, university career going to see you at a place called Pure in, in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Oh, that was a fantastic And he said place. it was yeah, the yeah. greatest That's thing that ever happened to I've him. ever been sick on my own shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't, you know what I mean, don't hold this against me. It was a slight style aberration. I was wearing suede Birkenstocks. Why? <laughs> well, that's well, right. I, 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 I don't just say that out loud. <laughs> By the way, I would have gotten <laughs> sick on this. I thought I was with a special group again, talking about... Oh, no, sorry. Wrong, wrong meeting. I'm starting to lose respect, man. <laughs> This conversation is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, you're in recovery. That's fine. If you're in no, recovery, no, no, that's I what I thought was. I thought it was sharing it with the group. <laughs> but, uh, he, said, he, said they totally, to, he said they used to dance so hard that sweat would condense on the ceiling and drip back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, that's yeah. how acid house should be. You could barely, you, you should not be able to barely see your hand in front of your face. Yeah, because it's, it's totally about the, the dance. Well, that's why people that write about dance culture, it's not a great deal to write about because. When you're in the middle of the dance floor, especially if you're on some kind of um, transcendent narcotic, it's so about that millisecond moment by moment, it's hard to... Ca- you, uh, you, yeah, like it's so, you're, you're so the centre of the union, you're so the centre of your world, yeah. that it's uh, uh, in increments, you know, oh, yes, it may last four hours, but it's just increments of instant... Now so what you're saying, are we okay? <laughs> I said that post-punk requires fiction. So you're saying Acid House cannot... E- even fiction can capture Acid House. Oh, no, fiction can, but... When, can when people but you're in the moment so completely, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And you said you can't even see that. So well, no, but what, is it verbal? It's, 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 no, I think the thing with Acid House is, and what, where people get it wrong, they try and recreate it, is they try and do like a sealed knot version of Acid House and, you know, try and do it, make it like a history piece. But the thing with Acid House, that's with a lot of pop movements... There's amazing stories and amazing characters, mm-hmm. and the be- what ha- you know, disco should be a catalyst. You know, the music should, to some extent, and those nights, evenings should be a catalyst. You sh- yes, it's about that moment, but what do you do with that moment when you leave that venue? Mm-hmm. And the, the great thing about Acid House is all the, is the characters within it. 
and their stories. You know, that I, I, you know, I could bring to mind people. I could write a movie just about that one person and what they Talk got away. up to. And you wouldn't even have to set it in Acid House. You could set it in the 18th century, and it'd still be a fucking brilliant, and yeah, like, funny, but... moving, acid pathos-ridden yeah. story. <laughs> and I guess that's what I was talking energy about, about earlier about that energy, the energy of adolescence, which is an archetypal energy, which is actually evolutionary energy in a way. And these are the weird archetypes that come up there to sort of um, inspire us with possibility. And I missed out on acid house. My revelation was much later. But actually, my brother, my younger brother, was a big part of the of the, of the sort of Scottish rave scene. Mm. And uh, it was amazing to see people with that involved. His handle was MC Madman. Mm. <laughs> and you see these guys with like no tops on, like doing these incredible moves. Uh, yeah, and like a sports center <laughs> in Irvine. You know what I mean? It, 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 it still goes on that hardcore scene, though, doesn't it? Oh, if, real, it's so funny yeah, because, yeah, well, you know how, like, in the south of, uh, like, America, there's sort of, like, uh, the, 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 yeah, if you're chilling and you're on the edge, you're kind of play, play, playing, like, heavy metal. But if you're chilling and you're on the edge in the west coast of Scotland, mm. you're playing, like, banging, basically, in GABA. Yeah, 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 like 170 <laughs> so, BPM. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a second, guys. What the fuck did Dave just say? Oh, well, I guess we'll never know. Back to the interview. Where are you from, Andrew? Um, originally, um... I was um, uh, an exile from culture, as uh, Mr. King so beautifully put it. Or American, and I will be so using this thing yeah. at every opportunity, <laughs> thank you. Um, um, I lived in Windsor, which was about 15 miles to the west of London, um, but it might as well have been 15,000 miles, you know. Um, and, and the great thing, again, that David was saying is when he, he was talking earlier, is that thing about being able to make almost feel like a raiding party going into enemy territory almost bringing back what you found and then doing your version of it I mean that's how you know it's kind of it's kind of how music's worked you know going back to garage rock we, you know what I mean? we, yeah and then obviously when this um, the 808 came along you know bedroom rock yeah sort of the same thing I mean I, I lived in the states and and I used to come over here uh, my, our family, our father is British, and um, yeah. you know, I'd come over here, and I remember 80, I think it was 85, I came over, my sister was at uh, University of Reading, or Reading University, and I was there the day that Psycho Candy came out, and wow. that, like, blew my fucking mind, and, and <laughs> so I had to, like, grab copies and go back to the States. Yeah. And, yeah. But also, yeah. in the process, making you, you know, the coolest kid in your high school, right? I mean, well, it's, it's interesting, yeah. yeah, because one of the things I was talking about earlier, and one of the things that Memorial Device is about is, is myth, and, and establishing myth, and how myth and almost fiction... Ah, myth and fiction. One of the things that Memorial Device is about is, is myth in establishing myth and how myth and almost fiction in a way is more powerful how imagination or memory or hallucinatory ideas can actually forward art in a certain way I remember when the Mary Shane came out and they would write about it and they were like oh my god when they were in the studio they would just leave one guitar lying against an amp yeah. feedbacking at all yeah. times and you would be like oh my god these Every people are insane this is like barbarian <laughs> avant-garde art stuff <laughs> yeah. I'll cut for that what year did that come out? Is it 86, I think, is Psycho Candy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 86, actually. I have no idea, but. I remember being into them, but it wasn't seismic for me. I don't know where I I think I was was going more towards, because that's kind of leading up to what became Acid House before it was Acid House. So where where were you, Circa Psycho Candy? What are you listening Um, to? um, I I don't know. Probably kind of proto techno. House uh, and house records. Already? What, by but, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, no, no, no kind of things that were maybe made in 82, 83 that had a weird B-side that had an 808 on it and stuff like that. Well, that, is that, well, that, well that's post-punk and post-industrial yeah, 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 isn't it? But when I, when I played, when, my big break was at the Sherman, the Trip, which were at clubs before it was called Acid House. Mm. And I would yeah. play anything from Bill Laswell, um, yeah, uh, William Orbit, um, oh, yeah. because you had to... That was the thing then, because you, you, you had to kind of build your reputation on your tunes. It's like a dub sound system. Yeah, right. And you, mm-hmm. would go, you, they, they, you would go and see a DJ because you knew that would be the only time you would hear that record. You didn't know what the fuck it was. It had, they, they did, it's a, it is a bit of a myth, but, you know, it is, it's a myth uh, and it's also the truth, which is nice. You'd put, and I did it myself, you'd put, if you've had a record, you'd, want to, you'd put stickers on it. You know, fuck off, <laughs> nosy, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then you can cover up. And then word would get round, someone would sidle up to you and go, uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then before you know it, records that were like 50p in a bargain bin are yeah, changing yeah. hands for £15. So you had to kind of build your reputation on the tunes you played. So there was the, the one that got me my big break, I played at a. Um, like an after hours, I played at like six o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning to the proto kind of acid house scene, shun people, and Danny Ramplin was there, who was who was the DJ at the shun, no. and I played October Love Song, Chris and Cozy, and the place just went absolutely berserk. Yeah. And he came yeah. up to me at the end and said, "What the hell is that record? Come and play at my club." And that's yeah. kind of part of you know that's the that's that's that was my 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 shove through the first first door. But I, I, I was playing every. But it was everything. I played dub tracks. I play um, um, shout to the top style council. Yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah, <laughs> Seven o'clock in the morning. You know, I meant to to crowds of yeah. two hundred people that are on exceedingly good ecstasy. I believe that was Andy Weatherall's public service announcement to the kids of the world: Don't do low quality drugs. I think believe <laughs> me, that record works. You know, I, mean, I, I think this is think a, of Paul Weather, the, 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 the liberatory <laughs> thing about post-punk was the thing where you could show off in all these different directions suddenly. I mean, punk is a form of fundamentalism in a way. And, well, uh, every revolution is about minimalism, isn't it? That would strip you know I mean? it back, but then when you build on it again, yeah, you know the, what I mean? The same thing happened in techno. Robert Hood did an EP called Minimal Nation. Techno got very, very pompous. And he, he, he produced this EP bit, that yeah. just stripped everything down. And I actually met him, I interviewed him. And um, I said to him, that record's a protest record, isn't it? He went, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, just, you're protesting at bloat, a bloat, how bloated mm-hmm. art has become. And it, it happened in jazz, it happened in rock and roll. Well, it seemed year was that? Right. Okay. Which, what year was that? Well, Robert Hood. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, I'm not Bob sure, Burke. because my, yeah, late 90s, no, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah. this also, like, I mean, the Berlin sound, like, in the early 90s, was super minimalistic, too. Was that sort of part um, of a... Was that protest, or was, was that... It, that... it wasn't that minimalistic, because it'd have them... The drums would be quite... There'd be a lot going on with percussion, and it wouldn't hmm. be... A lot bigger, more, a bigger, more pompous sound. Yeah. This was pretty, this was ultra. You know, this was a kick, admittedly quite tough, but there was space in it, and it would just be one gnawing sort of organ riff oh, all wow. the way through. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a seminal record, but it is a protest, like like punk and any other um, revolution in art. It's well, usually it's a protest. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, I, was, I, I was thinking about the other night when actually actually sort of seeing Sinatian and thinking about prog and progressive music and I had a flash in my mind that almost post-punk is almost a continuation of prog that was interrupted by punk <laughs> do you know what I mean by yeah, that? yeah 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 no, yeah no very much so yeah but that's yeah that's that the actually, thing that's the, that's middle the thing box that's, is kind of proggy no I, I totally and it's about yeah. jamming again and thank god because you wanted to get back to instrumentalism and I understand why punk is necessary 
I think with prog, you know, that <clears throat> there is an algorithm. Did I not tell you that I've discovered the algorithm? The prog algorithm? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. give it away. More than three time signature changes... It's prog. Immediately get, uh, get out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not for you. You know what I mean? Three, three Find stretching the exit. Two, yeah. ideally two. You know what I mean? That's all right. But, but there's the no theory. proof, you know, there's nothing. Time to go. Well, well here's a good question, though. Diddly, well, here's it? a good question. Everyone used to talk about prog. The drum solo is so boring. But didn't techno become the drum solo forever? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it's not flashy. It's, it's too functional for a solo. You know, John Bonham just would sit there doing a the thought the floor with a, an occasional fill, you know what I mean? Do you think rhythms have any uh, sort of political ramifications? You know, Wyndham, I, I think that we might have lost control of this interview. No, nah, I think we just ceded it to a much more qualified party. Because they think about the four at four. Sometimes I think about four by four. Let me see. No, this I have point. a motivational. Yeah, but, but I think I think about four by four so much like a conveyor belt. It's so much like you're buying your groceries at Asda. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And sometimes you're like, so how do these rhythms inflict certain like ideas? You know? Well, well, be, because it's because a lot of house music is at a kind of heart rate tempo. Uh, and and um, if you listen to like Naya Bingy drumming, they have that thunder drum, which is doing the sort of heartbeat. I mean, that's talk about Gnostic sonics, my friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. It's all ritualistic. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with the results of that ritual. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. If it's a church ritual, do you go out and burn homosexuals? Or if but it's you're a right. Gnostic ritual, do we just all have a nice time and convene with you know? <laughs> but at the same time, okay. <laughs> deal. At the same time, yeah. okay. Why? Why? Okay. But you're right. Four yeah, by weekend, <laughs> four by four has its <laughs> point. What, the Rolling Stones were necessary because, in a way, you could say that the society before them was a little baroque, and so to have this sudden caveman thudding rhythm, yeah, yeah. it's not reductive in four by four. Suddenly, it, it disrupts this bar these baroque fifties rhythms that we've had in, in the UK at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it depends what what you then hang on the foot the floor. You know, you, you can get you can hang baroque things. You know what I mean? Uh, on we're a sending prog, skeleton. baby. I just like a solid skeleton of a resonant... To me, that moves me as much as the sound of Link Ray's so, guitar. Strip, what strip does? it down. The sound of uh, 808 kick drum, if does. it's at the right frequency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the sound of Link Ray. You know what I mean? It's just... They, they, and they are primitive sounds. That's how they're resonating. And I don't know, yeah. you know, and that's my, you know, that's my Gnostic Sonics. Uh, that that's that's what makes. So it what up. is that, Gnostic Sonics? It's 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 um, well, Gnosticism is a direct is a direct um, uh, a direct line to the divine. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I like to think the music I'm involved in can help you with your direct link to the divine. <laughs> and you if used with the right sacraments. I mean, you, you know, mentioned it's, the, no, it's no big, you know, it's no it's no it's no biggie. It's it's just a secular version uh, of people that go to church on a Sunday. It's wanting to, to, to get some sort it's, of transcendence through ritual it's, it's and theatre and music and coloured light. When it's you mentioned Presbyterianism for juniors. Well, well, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's complete revelation and it's just the same, you know, It's just the same basic drive, but, but, but realised in, in different ways. Religious people do it in a formalised, notarised way. We do it in our way by, do, by doing what we're doing this I, weekend. I have seen God. In that regard, I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, well, well, no, you know, it's, it's, as Gandhi said. Well, no, he did actually say. No, no, he did actually say. No, if you do, if you do something, if you do something for yourself rather than somebody else, you will look into the face of God. And that's, you know, it's just basically Gandhi there is saying, just dip dick. Yeah, that's pretty much the quote. And you will, you will, you will achieve. Your Gnostic end. And I guess that's what we're talking about in terms of Memorial Day and the post-punk thing as well. Like, the idea that you're somehow, you're always in the centre of the world. 
you're always at the centre of the road and it's hard something to well, see that's that. What, the, the music that's inspired by your book, the title of the, of the album is Qualia, Q-U-A-L-I-A. What's that? And it's, 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 it's the study, it's the, the concept of um, objective experience. You know, I look at that curtain and I see green and you see green, but how does my perception and my feelings towards that differ from yours because of other external psychological because of internal factors like you know the, the well, yeah. lens on your eye or yeah, the yeah on a purely <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. but also that's why on a purely yeah thanks for bringing it down to just mere like physical no but the inner it's I don't know whether it's actually you see it different like David sees that as a different we probably see it we would never know but it but and partly the, like yeah. the way the language codes these yeah. things. But well, you're like physics now. We're talking, we're talking no, no, no. About I'm saying, physics, but every day right? that you... <laughs> <laughs> he's going to write about. Well, well, it. well, I, well, I would, well, what I would always say is give up any notion of um, rendering some kind of objective reality. In fact, yeah. like look at that for a little while, then close your eyes, and then do your version of it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Or no, no. Or squint. I like the squinty version. Mm. It's so funny you say that because I've been thinking like about getting an universe. iPad recently <laughs> and going about with one eye to see if that transforms how you see reality right. with yeah, one yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just talking kind of. I'm talking. You're squinting. You're kind of half there. I'm there. Just talking. Don't you know? Just, just, just stay in the fog a little bit. Don't you know? Wait, wait, what, wait a metaphorical squint. Yeah, yeah, you're not actually, you know, not, not wearing Google glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to interject with one question because I, I do, I, this is when I was <laughs> curious about... Because you say fuckers are too Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not at all. You're not stoned enough. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you're writing about a particular time in music and you have had the, you know, I think the wherewithal to, to actually progress for so long and continue to... to re- we, we were talking last night with the Orioles and you just read it, uh, you know, remix yeah. their stuff. Yeah. Um, you're always looking for something new. You're, you're that documenting. That I'm willing to work quite cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm value for money. No, yeah. I've got, I've got, a, I've got an insatiable appetite for music, and I'm good value for money. Yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean, <laughs> equals thirty. Thanks, years, everybody. Equals <laughs> same job for thirty years. You know what I mean? That's, because I don't look at it as a career. That's why it's a job that I enjoy. So I never think about career ladders, or so that they, so I. I don't have to kind of but an worry about curiosity. so many shortcuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm too busy making music to be going to meetings and talking yeah. about strategy. You know what I mean? I like but making that, stuff, and I'll yeah. give it to whoever wants it as long as they sell it in a nice way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That, that's I'm, that, that's I've always been. You know, that, super that's, yeah. that's, and I'm lucky enough to be able to, to be able to do that. But that's it's a weird thing. I don't know what it's like in other areas of art, but with music, you're right. Um, in this age of the download and the throwaway, which is all very good, people love that, but they want some sort of balance and they want a, 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 um, a foundation, a, a heritage-based foundations mm. to go to to balance up this throwaway stuff. So if you're the new kid on the block, you know, the happening new thing, you're fine. If you've got 15, 20 years of heritage, mm. you're kind of all right. Mm. If you're somewhere in the middle, I think it's really difficult. Yeah. For people, uh-huh. you know, that's that's the that's the culling. It's not, you know what I mean. That's the that's the that's the landfill area. Yeah. Is that you know what I mean? Too old, yeah. too old to be, you know, this week's thing, but too young for, to be a heritage brand. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. yeah. And, um, so where do you thank, go looking? Thank, thankfully, I fall into the heritage brand. Category. So where do you, where do you go looking for the? I mean, for those new sounds that looking? you, or does it find you? What what make your own music or, me, or when, when you're remixing? Music. Yeah, when you're remixing other people's stuff or making your own music. I mean, where are you where are you finding these sounds? Um, it's just me. It's I don't know. I'm channeling them. It, it's it's every record I've ever listened to, good or bad. 
is imprinted somewhere in my brain. So I'm just sitting there. I don't know. I don't try and consciously, I very rarely try and consciously copy a particular sound of a producer. I'm very much doing my approximation of people that are probably painting, you could probably write a list of them. But, I'm, uh, but um, 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 as Voltaire said, uh, originality is just judicious plagiarism, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, that's it, and 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 that's what I, sound, that's what I love. Uh, uh, why my, re my the Coelia record is also a, about memorial device, because when I play tracks with my friends, a range of people, I hear them. They always pull up bands, different, so many different bands for one track, and some of them are groups I sent to David earlier. Some of them are groups that I'd forgotten I'd even mm. been to see in 1979. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like fuck yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, so they're 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 little memorial devices for me and for. Everybody that's listened to them because they're they're saying everything from Fad Gadget to the Fun Boy Three. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. fucking yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But I, I do want to just you know plug David's book because I think it sounds phenomenal, and we just heard you speak. Um, so how how do you all know each other, and what was the so? And oh, what? it's our psychic shepherd, isn't it, Mister Lee Braxton? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those of you paying attention might notice that we've waited twenty five minutes to ask our establishing question. Nice move. Um, yeah, it's it just uh, yeah, it's just sort of um, cultural agitator hmm? and conduit. Is that That's my editor. Early on, he said like um, um, I did a stint as Faber and Faber's artist in residence uh, for a year. So, and I've stayed closely allied to them because they're beautiful and wonderful yeah, they're great people. Folks. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot and of I them here. Met, you know, through them, I've met Julian Cope and Mr. Keenan. So yeah, and Lee said you know, I think like uh, Andrew's really going to like your book. I think it's going to chime with him, and he sent it to him on early on. And, and inspired uh, you. And here we are discussing my Shit. album inspired yeah. by yeah. in a <laughs> caravan in a field <laughs> in Cornwall, yeah. somewhere <laughs> in a caravan in. In a caravan in Cornwall, yeah, I think that's the interview series name now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's wonderful. So, I mean, thank you guys so much for, uh, for well, taking this time. You know, we're looking forward right. to your set this evening as well. We've got no problem in talking about ourselves, have we? <laughs> 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 Mate, <laughs> I can, I can, I can tell you switch off a microphone and, 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 and promoting products as well. That's a win-win situation. No qualms whatsoever. Chris, I sit here all night and listen to you guys. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, until 11 when your set starts, at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, I mean, t uh, the book, I mean, we obviously just started reading from it, but, um, you know, tell us a little bit about it. It's uh... um, it's kind of, it's a, he a hallucinated oral history. I used to love reading those oral histories of, like, punk music, like, yeah, uh, legs. Please, please Kill Me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Leave Me in the Bathroom. Yeah, and he, uh, um... And uh, he also wrote another book with someone else called uh, uh, The Other Hollywood, which was a lot of the porn industry, yeah. which was also a big influence on me. And so I imagined, could you hallucinate a version of that in a small town in the years after punk? And that was what I thought it would do. Because yeah. I think, and I think it took fiction to be able to uh, get closer to the reality of what the psychic experience of those things were. So you're writing an oral history about a fake... Uh, yeah, completely, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Mm. Which is, I mean, those are some It's of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Those are some of the best books. I mean, some of the best books about music out there are the ones that are truly, you know, composites of, uh, you know, of the people who are there. Well, you know, you would, read, you would read Please Kill Me and you would read about Iggy and you were like, oh my God. This guy was a Iggy, this guy loved it. It's incredible. Oh my God, how did he do that? And then you would remember guys that you grew up with who were like, you were like, wait, wait a minute. I mean, Iggy was cool, but it I remember this guy from Green Gears that was truly yeah. insane. <laughs> and it was performance art for no one but me and one other guy. And it was more special, you know, and he's probably dead now. But he was a sort of martyr to this weird spiritual... So, 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 it's called Derby Crowd. <laughs> so what he's saying, what he's saying is death and, a, and a, a Spartan audience 
imbues it with more power than <laughs> somehow, yeah, somehow. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm somehow in a way of seven I'm, inch. I'm not genuinely yeah. asking you. I wasn't. Yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, at one point, yeah. I think in the appendix at one point, <laughs> memorial device. I think I, I group like um print press up the record, but then they take an air rifle and they shoot them all with pieces in their back garden, so it's the rarest record of all time, yeah, and they yeah. don't survive. And in a way, that's probably the best post bomb <laughs> single that was ever yeah. made. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and so I mean, of those, I mean, you know, those are. The oral history is like is notoriously difficult to write and research, right? Partly because you get all this conflicting evidence and information from different people. Yeah. But that's also one of the things that makes it so exciting and interesting uh, to read is the fact that you know you do get uh, conflicting accounts from from different people who are there. I mean, actually, this John, is something. Yeah, John Doe just did one on West Coast Punk. Yeah, that, that was a, I made big play of that. That was the whole point. I wanted to have these twenty six voices because they're often contradictory. Yeah. And they often throw away something that happens in a totally different way or make you see a person in a different way. And I thought, to be honest, you have to have that. There is no definitive history. But if you get all these voices in, you can kind of get close to roughly the territory. It's a different... It is you a know? different history. Like, yeah. You know, it's the Rashomon effect. Yeah, cool. So, um, anyway, you want to... Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. I mean, yeah. it's it's wonderful being here with you. Um, you know, Dave Keenan. It's Keenan's been hikingly gorgeous. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Weatherall, yeah, <laughs> sitting here in a caravan somewhere in Cornwall next yeah. to a circus tent yeah. uh, in the pouring rain. David Keenan, yeah. yep. uh, great stuff. And the glory of gloom. Absolutely. <laughs> somewhere in a field in Cornwall, to quote or misquote Jarvis Cocker. Hello, hello. Oh, oh, oh. 